today on The Breakdown. Usually, being Daniel Weinman is a pretty good thing. You're, you're just, you know, poker pro. You got $3 million in earnings. It's pretty, you know, life is pretty cherry, as the kids like to say. But this time, maybe not so much fruity as vegetable because he's heads up for a WPT title and a 15K buy-in. And when he's looking across the table at his opponent, it ain't some, you know, 65-year-old rec player who happened to make it. It isn't some dentist. It's Michael the Grinder Mizraki, one of the most successful poker players in tournaments of all time. He's won the Poker Players Championship three times for crying out loud. Anyway, they're going to get involved in a hand. Heads up, where the grinder can have anything, but Weinsman's got some moves too, and he is going to put on his boogie shoes in this hand. Let me tell you, we're going to get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I think you're going to disagree with me when I say this. But hear me out. Okay. I think that may have been your weirdest opening ever. No. See, I know I'm, you're going to okay, disagree go with me. But I'm going to hear you out. my reasons. Okay, Because go. you've had, certainly, if you did the analysis of the words themselves and how they were said, you've had weirder openings. Yeah. But I feel like the overall tone of that opening was close enough to the edge of trying to establish normalcy that it made it weirder. It was like in the uncanny valley. Mm basically, mm-hmm. of, of openings. And it felt like the things you were saying almost made sense and were <laughs> almost part of like an opening that you would hear from like a normal podcast. Yeah. But then you were saying stuff that when you really think about it, you're like, is this guy like missing one third of his brain? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What did I say that would make you think that? No, that but hurts. like in a way that just makes you creative and interesting. No, I mean. that's not. I'm not taking it that no, way. No, neuroplasticity <laughs> means that you don't have to be stupider by missing a third of your brain. It just changes the functionality and what parts of your brain do what. So maybe it doesn't, learn a little it bit about Oliver Sacks before you make any damn accusations of me being derogatory because I'm not. I can name two Oliver Sacks books right now. Can you? I can who knows name, about Oliver Sacks? I can name one. The man who mistook his wife for a hat. Yep, that's the, that's the most famous one for sure. Yeah, what's there's, the other there's one? There's another one, an anthropologist on Mars. Okay. So who knows about Oliver Sacks? This guy! <laughs> I'm the Oliver Sacksologist of this freaking podcast. And please direct your questions to Jonathan Levy at com. That's a good website and domain name. Um, yes. Anyway... Maybe we've brought this up before when talking about Michael Mizrocki, but how did he establish and maintain the nickname of the grinder when he is one of the <laughs> wackiest players in the world and like has the widest ranges of any successful player ever, maybe? I believe, and I could be wrong because it's been a long time since I heard this story. I believe it's because before he became like famous, you know, and he became famous sort of like he took the poker world by storm. He made back-to-back WPT final tables and won the second one. Like, so it was pretty incredible. Um, but, but he was already the grinder by then. I think it's cause he used to play so many tournaments like constantly. So he was grinding wow. that way. Not because, you know, he's like Dan Harrington grinding it out, you know, he's like not, making he's big not folds. He's not, Kanish, right. you know, sees all the angles, but t- doesn't have the balls to go after him. 
you know, grinding his way to 1.25 big blinds an hour. No, that's, yeah. I mean, he may be doing that, but not, you know, that's, he's not doing it with the careful plays. He's not I mean, doing it the, because he's not taking the angles he sees. That's for sure. <laughs> he's creating he angles it. that aren't there and then taking them. That's what he's doing. It's a, it is amazing to me that Mizraki's had the success he's had, considering everybody knows what he does. It's like pretty straightforward and obvious what he's doing, right? And even the best players in the world, he does it with enough nuance and picks his spots well enough, though, that even the best players in the world really struggle to push to fight back against him. And he ultimately seemed like he's had so much success doing this for a decade, more than a decade now, 15 years he's been doing this style. I mean, how is that possible? You would think that this style just could not survive against the quality of players. And I guess he doesn't play in the highest, highest buy-in stuff, but still the amount of success he's had. And like I mentioned, he's won the poker players championship three times. It doesn't seem, I would have thought it was impossible for a player with this style to do that, but I'm wrong. So I I love that he's made this work. He's got great poker instincts, I suppose, but um, you don't usually see him fail. But now that the World Series of Poker main event is live streamed and, you know, he's a very famous player, so he'll be put on one of the tables usually on his day. I remember last year, one of the few times I tuned in to see what was going on, um, Mizraki was on the table and I saw him bust out and it was like very unceremonious and very sad in a way that felt like the way that I would have busted one of my first times playing poker and then leaving the casino being upset with myself for having done it, being like, why did I do that? And I think I mean, that probably happens to him a lot because of his style, you yeah. know, but he did like a, I don't remember, I, I'm probably butchering this a little bit, but it was essentially, he opened middle position with Jack 8 off for, for no reason with like 90 <laughs> blinds and then ended up check raising the flop and then check check the turn and then check raising the river like for no reason with no blockers and no like there's no indication that his opponent was weak and his opponent just had like the second nuts and just like moved in and Mizraki had to fold for f- 4k more behind so he was left <laughs> with like nine blinds and then he shoved the next hand and was out and it was just like that, it feels like something that I would have done when I was had massive fancy play syndrome like first playing poker yeah. and like leaving the casino like why the fuck did I do that like what yeah. what was the point of that um, by the way, this event is the, uh, the WPT Tournament of Champions. It's a 15K buy-in event. So I think this is like an invite-only event mm. that, that they're heads up. Michael Mizraki, I, I know he reminds me a little bit of Vanessa Selps where he'll do things and it's like, what just happened? You know, like, and like Vanessa busted from the main event. I think it was last year actually also where she like three bet from the small blind, got called by some you know, reg, not reg, sorry, some like re- normal player. The flop was queen high and Vanessa like bet and the guy called and she check raised all in on the turn and the guy just ace queen and he just like shook his shoulders and called and she had like jack seven offsuit, had no hand, no draw and it was and it was just over for her and it was like level two or something. I think that might have been the year before last. Okay, maybe, way. maybe. But yeah, the, the point is that. like, yeah, I mean, aces versus sevens the year before Yeah, that. that one was like, that would have been the best fold of all time if she pulled that one off. That would have been... Pull my hair out. I don't. I can't believe it really happened. Even though, like, we did a, we, you know, in our podcast analysis of it, we found like actually you can fold here, but like, yeah, whatever. Like in real time to make that fold seems effectively impossible. I would not make it. I'll just say that right now. Like, I would be out faster than she was. I would have put my chips in right away and be like, if she has it, she has it. Whatever, I'm out. I guess. Like, so be it. Like, coolers exist. It's fine. I don't. Yeah, um, I don't imagine I would have been able to fold either. But I mean, upon looking at it deeply, and for those yes. of you who are interested, you can go back in our podcast archives and find it. I'm sure. But it's like, uh, 
it, it's the nuts against the second nuts. Ace is full against quad sevens. And it does make sense that Gail Bauman would only have quad sevens and play it this way. Yeah. Unless maybe she would play ace seven suited that way, which she said she wouldn't after the right. hand was over. It's hard to know if that's actually true, but she did say she wouldn't. I believed her when she said it. I'll say that. Yeah. Um, Ms. Rocky is uh, 36 on the all-time money list with $17 million in earnings. Uh, he's a giant. He's also a personality. He's one of the things, actually, that makes poker TV like worth watching. Because oh, so absolutely. many of these players are boring as hell. He plays it's, a million hands. He's hyper-aggressive. It's fun to watch. If I'm going to bet on a player to win an event, I'm betting on Christoph Vogelsang over Michael Mizraki, but I would much rather watch Michael Mizraki play than Christoph Vogelsang. It's hard to argue. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to the hand, which was suggested okay. by Josh. Josh suggested this hand on Twitter. He included a YouTube link and timestamped it. We are the Poker Guys on Twitter or the number two Poker Guys if you want to be specific about it. If you want to suggest a hand for the breakdown, please include a YouTube link and timestamp it or else get the hell out of here. Get out of here. Go, go back use, home. Use guys. Home to your mattress. Saying Lay use guys reminds me of another thing you did in the opening. The last time yep. you said Weinman, you said Weinsman. Like there were two <laughs> of them, perhaps. <laughs> It's like attorneys general, right? Yeah. yeah it's it's like not that. attorney generals. It's attorneys Anytime general. Anytime the, the winesmen's get together, <laughs> it's like, oh, yes, there are two winesmen over there. They yeah. are discussing things. All right. <laughs> so in this tournament of champions, it was uh, apparently quite a small field because of champion invite only type thing. 15K buy-in. Current payout for second place is 218K. First is 381. So that is a massive jump as yeah. far as... It's like almost double. It's kind of crazy. Um, so Mizraki is going to start in the small blind slash button with five deuce of hearts. He's got 1.5 million at the 30K big blind level. So 50 blinds as the effective stack. And he's going to limp, which is fine. If you have an overall limping strategy, five deuce of hearts, definitely good enough to play on the button heads up, right? Yeah, absolutely. One of the Weinmans, Daniel, uh, is going to check out of the big blind Excuse with me. eight, nine I'm sorry. off. One of the Winesmen's. Sorry, one of the Winesmen. One of the Winesmen. Wi- I'm sorry. It's, it's, I it's definitely confusing. deserve that. I needed to be corrected. <laughs> yeah. All right. He has eight, nine off, eight of hearts, nine of spades. He's going to check out of the big blind. Everything is normal so far. He's got 1.7 million, so he's barely got Mizraki covered. Yeah. And this happened in 2017, so the pot is 70K, so it looks like the antes were 5K a, a player. Yeah. Uh, okay. Fine. So the flop is 10 of hearts... Three of hearts, six of clubs. Massive flop for Mizraki. He flops a gut shot and a flush draw. Weinman flops a gut shot with 8-9 on the 10-6-3 to our board. He also has the backdoor eight-high flush draw, which is not too exciting. Yeah. Do you think Weinman should ever bet here? Uh, I think he absolutely... Yeah, actually, I think he should bet sometimes here, for sure. It's an unraised pot. He has a hand that plays way better as a bet than a call. Meaning, like, calling out of position sort of sucks. You could check-raise his hand, for sure. But we could just bet and sometimes win, and we have equity when called. So I think it's... Not that we should always bet this hand, but I think we should absolutely be looking to bet this hand a fair amount of the time. Yeah, I think that's true. It's also fine to check, though, which he does. Yeah. Mizraki's going to bet. Makes sense. He's got five high, but tons of well, equity yeah. against almost everything. I mean, he doesn't want to be against 8-9 or 7-9 or 7-8 of hearts. Those are disastrous for him. But I mean, whatever. So, so be it. He bets 35K, half pot. Weinman decides to call. What do you think? 
it can't be that bad. It's one blind, right? Like I just made this whole case for you'd rather be betting than calling. If you're going to be calling, you want to be calling when it's super cheap. And it is super, yeah. super cheap right now. Like you would expect Mizraki usually to bet about this much. The fact that he does makes it very easy to call without it being a big deal. You know, we can still... Mizraki can have essentially his entire range. I, he might be betting one blind here with. It's Michael Mizraki, you know. Maybe there's a few things he's going to check back, but almost always just be betting. You know, there might be some ace highs he checks back sometimes, maybe. Some king yeah. highs he checks backs. Maybe a three once in a while, but like almost always he's gonna, So like, it can't be that bad. I would rather bet just because we actually would prefer a fold as, as Weinman, but... It's okay. Like you can certainly check raise this, but when you're, it's this cheap, we're already getting a pretty good price. Like it's 105k in there. It's 35k, and if we improve, we have a chance to win a big pot, especially against this guy who could put in just a crazy amount of chips, as we've seen him do. We'll overbet yep. the pot. We'll do all sorts of things. You know, we can make the nuts. If if the bet was significantly bigger, I wouldn't love the call. If the pot was significantly bigger, I wouldn't love the call. I can't have a problem with this. I agree. So that's what Weinman does. Pot's 140K. Again, he's got 8-9. Daniel Weinman does. 8 of hearts, 9 of spades. Mizraki's got 5 deuce of hearts on the 10 of hearts, 3 of hearts, 6 of clubs board. Let's get to the mm. interesting stuff. Okay. Because things get whack starting on the turn, which is the 6 of hearts. It gives Mizraki the 5-5 five, five flush and pairs the board. Obviously, gives Weinman a better flush draw than Mizraki, but Weinman is unlikely to know that for sure. Um, so this is interesting because... Weinman is going to lead, and I want to talk about that for a few different reasons. Obviously, it's an action in the hand. We talk about all the actions in the hand. But one of the things <laughs> I want to talk about is that this feels like a traditional thing to do for a good player in a spot where it's like the cutoff open and you're the big blind and you check called the flop. This is not that scenario, right? right. This is a little bit different. This is a limped pop preflop. Nobody has a six advantage here, right? Whereas like typically out of the big blind, if Weinman had called a raise, from a later position opener or even early position opener, he would have a range advantage as far as the amount of sixes in his range, but that is not the case here. So the initial thought is like, okay, he's leading because he has more sixes in his range than Mizraki, but that's not true. He might actually have less because he didn't bet the flop in a limp pot. I mean, he may have more though, because like, I don't know if Mizraki is playing six deuce off suit from the button. He might fold that and Wyman's forced to play it in the big blind. That's the only hand. I know yeah. it's possible as Rocky's playing it anyway. And that's actually the only six, I think, uh, that he could have. Like, I imagine Ms. Rocky's not just going to throw away 10 six or jack six off. Certainly yeah. not queen six or better. So, and I think every other six he's going to play. So, there's, so it's, if he's got a six advantage, it's very small. And you're right, not leading the flop makes it now mains like, I don't know who can have more six. It's at least even. I would think, if not, maybe even tilts slightly towards Mizraki. I think it tilts heavily towards Mizraki because Mizraki bet the flop in, in a limp pot. Like, Weinman is very often going to... You would have been shocked if we were, we were doing this hand and Weinman had king six and didn't bet the flop, right? No, not against Mizraki. I would think against Mizraki, you might be doing a lot of check calling and letting him just put crazy amounts of chips in when you have something. This is going to sidetrack me because I had another point, but... Wouldn't you also be concerned if you had a six that Mizraki has way too many bluffs for you to lead effectively on the turn? Like, don't you want him to keep barreling? That is a great point for sure. For sure. Uh, I would think if I had a six and I check called, I would absolutely check the turn and let Mizraki rep it like crazy. So that is, that's true. Okay. So back to my other point, forgetting about sixes for a second, Mizraki yeah. also has a flush advantage. It seems to me. 
Like Wyman didn't take an aggressive action on the flop. You'd expect that the majority of the time that he had a flush draw, he would either lead or check raise. I would expect that, but I would have said that about his straight draw too, that he actually has. Like I said, I expect like now it was cheap enough. He can call and it was fine, but usually I expect him to take an aggressive action there. So he at least can show up with draws, I think still. And I think he might play some flush draws like this since he played a hand with even less equity like this without, you know, any fold equity. Sure. That's true. But at least in my mind so far, we haven't eliminated any sixes or any flush draws from his Rockies flop range. And we have eliminated at least a piece of them from Weinman's. Which okay, makes can't it argue with not, that. Which makes it feel like a, an application of the concept of him having more of this card than his opponent in the wrong place is basically yep. what I'm trying to get at. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, I think what's going on here is Weinman's like, okay, now I can't check call anymore. The pot's gotten a little too big, but my hand has just improved in terms of picking up the flush draw, which might be good, that now I don't, wa- like, I don't want to fold my hand. I don't want to check call. But I don't want to check fold either. So now I have to figure out something else to do. And I guess I'm going to rep this card because Mizraki's going to have a lot of folds if I, if I lead, right? Um, so I think that's what's going on. But I agree with you that the story is actually kind of bad here. Yeah. It just seems bad. Yeah. Well, what should Mizraki do? He's got the five high flush. Right. Got let in too. I mean... I think this is a pretty good time to raise, actually. All right, let's let's explore that because I'm concerned about that for a couple of reasons. Well, m- main, mm-hmm. mainly one reason. What is Weinman repping and what does he usually have? And he either has a hand that's kind of an auto fold, like he has. Yeah, of course. Or he has a lot of flushes that beat us or full houses, it seems. Maybe he has some sixes that he will call with and we can get value out of those. But I don't know if we can raise the turn, get called, and bet the river on clean runouts. Mm. That's an interesting point. Um, I think, he, I mean, he's repping trip sixes, right? If he has what he's or, repping, we're going to get tons of action. Yeah, I mean, he could also be repping a flush a little bit. Okay, but you, as you have yourself have made a very strong case for, he doesn't have very many flushes yeah. right now. Yeah. So I, I don't think we have to worry too much about that right now when he suddenly leads um, playing it this way. And the truth is, I mean, if he has a flush, he's probably going to get all our chips almost no matter how he plays it. Like, he's got a great, maybe not all of them. He's got a great I chance mean, to, get a, to win a huge pot. We have a right? lot back. It's a paired board and we have the 5-5 five, five flush. We should not yeah. be giving him all of our chips. I mean, the way, it, the way it would go, though, is like if he bets... Okay, let's just play this out for a second. He bets we call as Mizraki. River comes, he bets half the pot. Are we just going to call with the 5-5 five, five flush? Or are we going to raise? It's close. I think it's really close. I'm just saying, so if we raise, that's going to be most of our chips. It's not. Not if we, he bets 60K, we call. The pot's 260K then. We have mm-hmm. 1.4 back. Yeah. It's not going to be most of our chips. Um, okay, you're right. Because he bets like 140,000. We make it, well, we make it 500. It's not most of our chips. You're right. It's just not. We still have a million back. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Um, okay. So since he's repping a six, we have a hand that beats a six. Flushes don't seem super likely. I don't know. Can't be that bad. It can't be that bad to raise. You're right. We have the five high flush. Um, The other thing that that makes me want to raise, though, is as Mizraki, we raise so much post-flop. We raise constantly post-flop. And 
We should probably do that when we have really strong hands. And heads up, a flush is a really strong hand. You know, uh, I know I understand situation. I understand situationally that there's there's some stuff going on here. Like we got one of the worst flushes we can have. The board is paired. He led into us. He doesn't really have that many sixes. These are all good reasons not to raise. But I think we should at least consider it because of the first thing I said. The last thing I, I said. I think that's definitely a reasonable point based on it being Mizraki, but I have a counterpoint to that based on it being Mizraki. As Mizraki, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that we're giving Weinman credit for being a reasonably good player. Like we at least yes, assume he's are. pretty good. Yeah, sure. He's leading into us. He knows who we are. Remember my point about would you really lead a six or a flush into Mizraki knowing it's Mizraki? Mizraki's probably aware of that too, right? But wait, what is your point about that? Weren't you saying My point like, is that Weinman is bluff heavy and that we don't want to blow him off of his bluffs. Oh, okay. Because That's we are Mizraki. We know we're Mizraki. We know our opponent knows that we're Mizraki. Isn't it weird for him to lead a strong hand into us when we've already bet the flop? I mean, except that Mizraki is exactly the kind of guy who might raise you with a bluff here also, right? Like when you lead into him on, in the spot. Like that's exactly the kind of guy Mizraki is. I suppose that might be true. So, I mean, putting a little chum in the water is never a bad thing. Like also this this is the kind of card where Mizraki has a lot of checkbacks if we had a strong hand, right? Like if yeah. he has a 10, he's going to check it back. If he has he has pro- he may have zero pocket pairs, but he may be have Olympic strategy where he's got all the pocket pairs or a number of pocket pairs. I just think that um, uh, it's not, yeah. That's not that important with Mizraki because he has so many bluffs on the flop. Like, you should be more worried about capturing value from those than anything else. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, we clearly shouldn't be leading too often with a strong range here. But if we're going to have any kind of a leading range at all, we have to have strong hands in here too, right? We can't just lead nine high draws only, you know. We have to have actual hands. I know so, it's possible that Mizraki is a guy among the top players who you can actually play exploitatively against and not be super balanced. I would like to say that's probably not true. I'm going to disagree with you, actually, because I would have thought that, but watching him sort of eat up tournaments over the last 15 years makes me wonder if that's actually true. Yeah, watching him consistently beat really good players make me think, like, it's not as easy as you would think, and you actually have to, like, throw some curveballs at him that aren't as obvious as I would hope it would be. I would think, like, with this Rocky, just sit back, make a hand, hold on. That's how you beat him, right? But I don't know if it's that easy. I think maybe you have to, like go to war with him in small ways and then one of the times have it and have him like lose his mind that one of the times you have it and have it all work out. You know, like I think that's probably a lot of it with, with really beating him, you know, over, over time, but you have probably have to get into skirmishes with him and lose a bunch of them, <laughs> you know? So that way he believes you're capable of skirmishing instead of like suddenly yeah. showing up. As soon as you show like strength of any kind, he's like, Oh, okay. I know not to mess with that guy. He's been waiting this whole time to trap me. You know, like I feel like he's more nuanced than, than the way I would have originally given him credit for. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Either way, Mizraki decides to flat. I kind of like the decision to flat overall, just because I think that Weinman's line (laughs) is fishy and a little bluff heavy. I I agree. I mean, the problem, of course, is our hand is very vulnerable to like a heart coming and some other stuff. But, but I agree with you all the same. We're, we're, it's a fishy line. It's also a fairly polarizing line. And although there are hands we can beat in the range that are even strong hands, like trip sixes, exactly. There's also a lot of hands we're, we're in trouble against, like you're saying. And do we really want to blow up the pot? We are in position anyway. We don't have to lose our minds with this. So I, even though I've been making a case for raising this whole time, I think, I, I think it's actually a call. I like a call. All right. That's what he does. And speaking of losing your mind, that's what you're doing if you're not using the link in the description of this podcast when you sign up for Nitrogen Sports. Am I right, Jonathan? Am I telling the truth? <laughs> You are not telling 
a lie at this time. I'm going to, as you keep going with this ad, I'm just going to check in every so often and let people know if you're lying. So, and you, there will be some lies. Okay. Guaranteed. So Nitrogen Sports employs at least seven ogres. They are a real creature. I'm just going to um, come in whenever I, it's clear, whenever I know you're lying. So please continue. Okay. So that, that was true. All right. <laughs> uh, another great thing about Nitrogen Sports, besides the ogre population that they employ, is that they have our monthly Poker Guys tournament. Is that true, Jonathan? That is true, Grant. So right, far, great. so good. And uh, the guarantee on that thing is 1,000 buy-ins. That's 100 millibits. The buy-in is 0.1 millibits. That means they would need 1,000 players to meet the guarantee. Is that true, Jonathan? Uh, yes, I'm sad. I was really looking for something there, but that's also true. Nitrogen Sports also employs at least one dark elf. Is that true? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Another fact about that tournament is that they never get more than 200 players. The most I've ever actually seen is 180, and they cap it at 300. That means there's guaranteed to be at least a 700 buy-in overlay in this tournament, Jonathan. Is that true? That is your first lie. You finally lied. How does it feel to be such a liar? Tell them the truth. Tell them the truth. The truth is the same as what I just said? The truth is... We've never seen more than about 180 players. They cap it at 300. There's a, a, a thousand buy-ins guaranteed. So, so it's a big it, overlay. What was the you part said? Was? It was your tone. It was mostly your tone. It implied things that I didn't like. I didn't like all right. it all. And uh, when you play on nitrogen sports, you will realize that Gerald Ford is still alive, living in a bunker in Australia. Yeah, that's is happened that to me already. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Okay, <laughs> that's absolutely true. So I haven't the lied thing yet. Is, well, though, except for that one thing, when you lied with your tone, you can lie with your eyes, Grant. Don't you know that? All right. Well, um, this ad has come to you from winning player Jonathan Levy. Is that true? Oh, oh no. It's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> it's finally a got lie. One. Fabrication. Yeah. That's the, biggest, that's the biggest honker you've told. Well, there you go. There was one I line. Break even that. at best. So what we have learned about nitrogen sports is that they do employ seven ogres. They employ at least one dark elf. I'm not sure if that's dangerous or not, yet, let alone the ogres. Nobody the elf knows. probably has some sort of magic, and it, darkness is, you know, that's typically not a good side of the magic. And <laughs> it does seem bad, but, you know. That President Gerald Ford is, in fact, still alive and living in a bunker in Australia. Let me just say, it's not President Gerald Ford. It's President Cheryl Ford. Oh, okay, sorry. Anyone know? Anyone get that reference? Anyone in the world get that reference? I hope twelve of you do. It's, it's worth uh, it. Dana Carvey. Yes, Dana Carvey from Saturday Night Live. One of the best Saturday Night Live skits of all time. Completely worth looking up on YouTube. Dana Carvey is Gerald Ford. Find it. Okay. Cheryl if Ford you... dead today. <laughs> so good. Anyway. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so. We have 260K in the pot. We have Daniel okay. Weinman with 8-9 off with the 8 of hearts on the 10-3-6, uh, what is it, 6, 3 heart board. Mizraki's got the 5 high flush with 5 deuce of hearts. The river is the 8 of clubs. Weinman pairs his 8. So yep. sometimes he's ahead now, for sure, mm-hmm. based on how Mizraki has played it so far. Mizraki's going to have a lot of stuff. So Weinman has the lead. But he's made an eight, so it feels kind of like a natural time to check, doesn't it? And just kind of see what happens? I think so. I think it's a check. And against Mizraki, we... Yeah, we're going to have to see how he sizes it. But like, Check, hope for a check. 
Hope for a check back is part one. And don't if expect bets, too many check. check if you bets mostly call though, right? Yeah, like any kind of normal size bet, I think we just call and like we lose to a ten and a six and like, but he but he has big hearts and maybe some weird straight draws and who knows. Yeah. Anyway, normal size bet is not what we get. Mizraki no. bets four hundred k into two sixty with his five high flush. What do you think about this bet? I think he's now putting Wyman on a six. He's hoping for a six or a ten. Maybe it could be a ten also, actually. Right. A 10 feels Um, like a very strange card to lead on the turn as Weinman without the lead in the hand. uh, It does. I mean, you thought, I mean, in fairness, you you thought like most most strong hands would be checking anyway. But I agree with you. That's the weirdest of all the hands to lead. So I don't don't disagree. Um, What is he putting Weinman in? I guess it has to be a trip sixes to bet 400K here, right? It just has to be. Yeah. What else could it possibly be? Yeah, that, that, I mean, when he bets this much, he's saying, I hope you have trip, trip sixes and you can't fold because I'm Mizraki. It'd be weird, though, for Wyman not to bet trip sixes on the river when he bets them on the turn. Like, usually he bet them on the river. Although against Mizraki, of all people, maybe you check and let him lose his mind. But it's I weird that he took this line at yeah. all, that he bet the turn and then checked the river. So, like, if he has nothing, he's not going to call a normal size bet anyway. I agree. I mean... I think this is a very strange decision by Mizraki based on the line Wyman shown us. Wyman almost never has trip sixes based on how he's played this, right? Like he would usually, if he bets the turn with trip sixes, he's betting the river. It seems unlikely he's going to bet the turn that often. But if he is, he's going to bet the river almost always. If he doesn't have trip sixes, why are we betting 400K? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are we trying to get? We're trying to get hero by an eight that was a gut shot. Okay. That, that actually does sort of make sense, but 400K feels like too much. Um, although maybe we're just trying to be polarizing and, and have him hero with an eight, I guess. I guess. Like, that's the only other hand that really even makes sense that might, that might check here as an eight. Right? Yep. That, and play it this way all yeah. the way through. It's like nine, eight, or seven, eight. Or eight X of heart. Eight X with a big heart. You know, something yes. like that. Yes. King eight with the king of hearts. Yeah. Something like that. that. That makes sense. You're right. Yeah. Either way, Wyman just has 8-9, and Mizraki bet too much to call profitably. We actually put this in the solver. It really doesn't want Wyman to call almost ever, like a third of a percentage of the time, right? Yeah, so like, yeah, fold 99 points. Oh, no, not 99, but yeah, fold whatever it was, like 92% or something Incorrect. Like that. Incorrect. Fold 92%. Oh, you said 99, but then you... you Corrected it, I see. Wow, so is, what was going on? Where were you while I was talking? Somewhere else, apparently. I was were thinking you thinking about, about Dark Elves? And yeah, doing fanfic bit. with the ogres. You know, yeah, keep your bit. X-rated erotica to yourself, buddy. That's that's for you and your what family you to enjoy it was erotic fanfic. It was just normal fanfic. They were going oh, on yeah. a quest. A quest. I'm sure. Yeah, because so much do- fan fiction with dark elves and it doesn't involve sex. For right. sure, that's so, how that so goes. So they were going on a quest for sex. That doesn't mean it was erotic. But it was, right? Yeah. <laughs> No, yeah. <laughs> of course it was. It had a dark elf in it. They always get their vittles tendered. You know what I mean? I, I don't know where to go with that. That's just sounds so creepy. Or, Orlando Bloom. It's a good looking guy. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Good looking okay. guy. It's the most all famous right. elf, right? Orlando Bloom. I Any guess other so. famous elves? The Keebler elves, they're pretty famous, but I don't think they get their freak on nearly as much as Orlando Bloom does. Is anybody who is not famous from something else 
already made as much money as Orlando Bloom while being as bad of an actor as Orlando Bloom and gotten I leading mean, he, roles? I, I mean, there are a million bad actors out there who've done very well. As I mean, all I can say. Orlando Bloom is really bad. He <laughs> single-handedly tanked Kingdom of Heaven. That could have been a good movie, but it was terrible because Orlando Bloom was the lead and you just can't believe him as like a lead actor in anything. I mean, I believe given, if you give me a little bit of time, I can probably come up with a list of five actors who've made more money who are just as bad or worse than he is. I don't know. Keep in mind, he gets Lord of the Rings stuff. So that's like a lot of money he's making over time. I mean, he does, but that's a pretty big cast. You know, he, he wasn't yeah. the star. He was just one of the, one of the, ensemble. he was one of the like four or five main. I don't even, I mean, he, but he was like a tier below. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't like one of the true main characters, right? That's like Frodo and Sam and, and, uh, Gandalf are like the top three, I would say, right? What about Vigo? Yeah, he's uh, maybe, maybe Vigo too. It's Vigo, by the way. Sorry. Vigo. Eastern no, Promises. Eastern Promises is a good movie, by the way. Anyway. Yeah, you love that movie. Oh, come on. You love that movie too. Let's get back <laughs> to it. It's the, really good. It's really good. Let's get back to the thing where Ms. Rocky has bet 400K into 260. Wyman has 8 9 off on the 10 3 6 6 8 board with three hearts. Ms. Rocky, of course, with a five high flush. Weinman decides, fuck this guy. I'm all in. He moves yeah. in. Is it a good idea, Jonathan? Should Weinman be doing this when Mizraki bets almost twice the pot? I think I hate both of these decisions on the river. I got to tell you. I think I hate Mizraki betting 400 when it seems like Weinman doesn't have trip sixes very often. So, and he's going to find it hard to call with just an eight when we bet 400K. I think I hate Wyman moving in when he has a hand, when he's up against what seems to be a polarized range with a hand that beats bluffs, but obviously can't beat any value. The only good thing about Wyman's decision is he certainly has blockers, right? He has a heart in his hand. He has an eight in his hand. So he blocks straights. He blocks flushes. He blocks some full houses. Like, that's cool. And maybe you could argue, if you're ever going to do it, this hand is like demanding to be moved in because it's got, it blocks all the things. It blocks all the strength. But, I mean... Ms. Rocky is, is polarized here. Why can't we just call or fold? Why do we have to move in? Even though the hand is like, oh my God, I've got blockers. You well, know? the solver hates the idea of calling. Hates it. Yeah, it does. It does. I don't blame the solver for hating the idea of calling when Ms. Rocky bets 400K. And he calls the turn. He flats the turn, right? Right. That like, said, what's he supposed really, to have? A big heart. That said, it really wants him to fold the river. Yeah. 92% of the time, at least. Move in 8%, which is more than you might expect. Um, so... Let's get into why Weinman might be doing this, despite you okay. hitting it. So I, I don't I know do. if I can justify it, but I think Weinman's thinking must be that he has more full houses than Mizraki, and based on Mizraki's sizing, Mizraki's going to have to fold the majority of his non-full house hands. Um, well, why does he think he has more full houses than Mizraki? Let's that like start is with why that. I premised it with, I don't know if I can justify it, but yeah. that would justify the move. If you were thinking I am the guy with more full houses and he has to fold everything. That's not a full house basically. So I mean, this he, move makes sense. He obviously doesn't, right? He, Mizraki not going to fold the nut flush here. I don't believe. Right. Like that's probably crazy not. Is Wyman repping anything less than a full house? I think Wyman could have a big flush here. And play it like this. They're heads up. I mean, it's not crazy to like, I don't know. Ms. Rocky did bet 400K into 260, though. Yeah. He's got the nut flush. Is he really just going to call with the nut flush? 
I think he, I think he might raise enough flesh. It's hard for either of these guys to have enough flesh having no raise preflop anyway. That and also Wyman to check just check raising the river anyway is sort of weird and doesn't feel like after leading the turn, it's just hard to believe the strong hands take this line almost ever. I'm not saying never. I'm sure they do a little bit, but like it's such a weird line to take with a super strong hand. So here's my thinking on this whole thing from Weinman. I yeah. think that he has played this entire hand in the mindset that I referred to on the flop or the turn where he's played it as if Mizraki is the initial opener of the hand and Weinman is called out of the big blind. Right. And therefore he has a range advantage based on that. He's played right. it as if that were the case where that is not the case. That is right. how I feel this has gone down. Because I think if Mizraki had opened in middle position and Weinman had called out of the big blind, everything that's happened so far makes a lot more sense from Weinman's perspective. He has I way agree. more sixes then. He has way more full houses then, right? Like, it all makes sense. But, thing, but that is not how it played out. That's not what happened. Right. In fact, even if Mizraki had raised preflop when they're heads up, Michael Mizraki may still have all the same range that he has right now. Like... You know, oh, I 100% you just made two blinds instead of one. So that's why I, I said, agree with that's you. It's like the middle, middle position. position. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just, yeah, I just want to make the distinction. I, I agree, I'm agreeing with you. Um, so, so it feels like just a really big miscalculation by, by Weinman here that like he should be able to get this through and that he's got this like clear range advantage. I don't think he does. I think when, when Mizraki bets 400K on the river, Mizraki either has like, I guess the worst hand he can have is like King six. Yeah. He might bet 400K with King six. I think that's as bad as it gets. Everything else is better or nothing. An eight should be fine. You know, an eight should be fine to decide to call with or fold. But this just feels like the wrong time to do this for, for the reasons you're saying. Well, I suppose maybe Wyman believes that because Mizraki didn't raise the turn, it removes a lot of Mizraki's full houses. I don't know if that's true. I think Mizraki might slow play those on the turn anyway. So I don't think we can really derive a lot from that, but I feel like Weinman is deriving a lot from that. Maybe. Maybe he also thinks Mizraki might even raise some trip sixes sometimes. Um, no, no, because the heart comes also. Yeah. So, he, so Mizraki would not raise a trip six. You wouldn't expect um, him to. It feels like Weinman is targeting, the value part that he's targeting is like the baby flushes and trip sixes. Like he's yeah. trying to get those things to fold. I can't imagine Weinman is really like, I'm going to get the nut flush to fold or the king eye flush to fold. Like that seems like a crazy thing to target. Well, me. maybe Heads the up. story is not very good, but I think what you just said might have swayed me to make me think this play might be reasonable. If he's targeting the baby flushes and trip sixes, I think that's a lot of what Mizraki has. And if he actually can get Mizraki to fold those hands, then the story doesn't matter that much because Mizraki's like, well, I can't call with these hands against this line. Like, I bet 400K and he made it 1.6 million. Yeah. Hey, this is one of those things that reminds me of the uh, Brent Kenny, Matt Berkey hand where we got into it a little bit about the notion of, is it better actually to call with a blocker and a worse hand? Obviously, sometimes it is. But in this case, like we're talking about, would you rather as Mizraki have king six here and call than five deuce of hearts and call? Because we block yes. full houses. Um, Value-wise, they're pretty much the same, right? Like, Wyman's not moving in with the four high flush. He's not right. moving with four three of hearts or something like, you know what I mean? So it doesn't really matter. That's, it's all other the heart. Three of hearts is on the board, so it doesn't matter. But you know what I mean? Like, like he's not moving in with like a hand in between a six. If we have king six, like it's all the it's much stronger than that. If he has value here, right? No, right. It, it clearly would be better to have a six as a as a call as Mizraki, right? Because because Wyman's full houses now have to have a six in their hand, and right? Block, right? Because he has no pocket eights or anything. No, it like seems very unlikely. Very unlikely. Right. 
So, Ultimately, so it's like, it, it does work out, though. It works out for Wyman. And I yeah. understand why Mizraki folds, right? Like, he bets so well, much and he got raised anyway. He's near the very bottom of his range, I think, when he bets this much for value. Like, yeah. the very, 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 very bottom. It might actually it. be like the literal bottom if you think a six is a better call, like, as far as distribution right. is concerned, right? Right. Yeah, this is, yeah, actually, you're right. The five, from Mizraki's point of view, this may actually be the worst hand he ever has here for value. Yeah. Um, and so he can just shave this off and shave off a few other hands and and call with other ones. I think as soon as we start to get to, like, I've got a jack high flush, I don't know. It's, now it's getting tough to fold again in my mind, but uh, you're still losing but we can only beat a bluff. You're still losing to the value, but it's right. distribution-based, of course. Yeah. Um, and we have to call with things, too, right? And we have to, you know... And the thing that I wonder is, how many bluffs does Mizraki have here when he bets 400K? Does he have many bluffs? If he has a lot of bluffs, he can actually call with his entire value range, too, when he gets raised. In theory, at least. You know, yeah, if he's overbetting the pot constantly. I mean, then he'd have to have a plan to float the very strange line on the turn and then bluff the river. I guess you could have just a big heart. Yeah, but that's, it's hard for idea. him to have a big heart having limped preflop unless he's limping 100% of the hands, which we don't have any reason to believe that he is. I mean, he could have the king of hearts. You, know, you mostly raise a king card. heads up, right? If you do, if you have a mixed strategy, um, a fair amount of the time, yeah. But you could certainly show up with kings and queens of hearts here. I would say, um, and maybe even some ace of hearts too. Once in a while, I think you can show up with that stuff. But I agree with you. He's probably if he has a mixed strategy at all, he's going to raise that stuff too a fair amount. Um, it's a weird, weird hand because Mizraki bets. I think. If Mizraki bets a normal amount, I think it all works out for him, too, which is really weird. By going this polarizing amount, he then forces Weinman to make a polarizing play back. And now Mizraki's like, well, I'm at the bottom of my value range. I'm out, you know? Yeah, I wonder if Mizraki just bet like 150K, Weinman might just call and Mizraki wins the hand. And then maybe wins the tournament because Weinman goes on to win this thing. Yeah. I, th- I think Weinman probably just calls if Mizraki makes it 130K. Maybe he raises anyway, but now it's not going to raise all in. He's going to raise to like 450K. And Mizraki at least has a real decision now. Yeah. You know, he can like, it isn't for everything. He probably finds a fold anyway, honestly, probably, but it's not as clear anyway. So I don't know. It's weird. This is a very strange hand. It is. And I'm not sure if it's particularly well thought out by Weinman, despite on its surface looking pretty elite, you know? I wonder if there are if, um, guys like Weinman, and by that I mean like really good players. So I'm including like the Brent Kennys in the world, even though Brent Kennys resume is, you know, dwarfs Weinman's. If they, like part of the way, they, the, the way to make sure you have enough bluffs in these spots is when the cards sort of be like, I've got all the blockers, baby. You just like almost always bluff with that unless the situation really calls for you not to. You just like, because to make sure you have enough bluffs. I mean, I don't, but like, if the situation is like, you don't have to, you don't have, you can just call, bro. Like, it's fine. Not that, the, not when Mizraki bets 400K, but like, if he were to bet 140K instead on the river, you know, we're like, we've got all the blockers. We can't beat value, but we can beat Mizraki. It's Mizraki. He's going to have a lot of bluffs here, you know? So many yeah. bluffs. There's that. Either way, so Mizraki shows the fold as if he's very impressed with himself. So, Wyman is forced to show Mizraki that. Yeah. He, in fact, I wonder, was bluffed. I wonder, like, that would have been the end of the tournament, effectively. I mean, Wyman would have had uh, seven blinds. Yeah. And Mizraki would have had 100 blinds. So you never know, but, like, oh, my God. Like, so that, that's got to, like, basically break you inside as Mizraki when that happens. You know, that's just, like, I mean, like, that ended oh, up costing no. him 163K, basically, to fold there. Yeah. 
And I'm sure he has money. I'm sure he's fine. But that's still a lot of money. I think even to Ms. Rocky, I think that's a lot of money. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.